Hi, I'm Ben from Norman, Oklahoma. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of young America. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the actor and comedian Rob Corddry. Here he is covering the 2004 Boston Democratic National Convention for The Daily Show. From Beacon Hill to Back Bay, from burning witches to bussing blacks, this city has something for everyone. Unless you're black. There's so much history here, like Faneuil Hall, Bunker Hill, the site of the Boston Tea Party. Of course, everyone knows about this little piece of Boston history. The Adams Inn, where I treated Maureen Sullivan to my virginity. Room 223. Of course, Boston isn't all about my personal sexual history. It's also about entertainment. Fenway Park, the world-famous green monster. Growing up, I had my own green monster, Father Green. But again, Boston's about so much more than my sexual history. Just ask my former scoutmaster, Steve Mangone. I think Boston's an extremely unique city, and it's such a fast-moving type of town. I seem like a screwed-up kid to you. Well, that's sort of harsh, Rob. I thought you were a very happy scout, like all scouts who have many issues. So I had a lot of issues. You, you had your share. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. Uh, my guest on the program, Rob Cordry, is probably best known as a correspondent on The Daily Show for about five years, from uh, 2002 to 2007 or so. Um, he's also appeared in basically every comedic film released in the past, not quite everyone, but most of the comedic films released in the past two years or so, including... Most recently, a turn as the uh, White House press secretary in the Oliver Stone film W. Uh, he has now undertaken his first directing project, a web series for the WB.com. Welcome to the show, Rob. Th- thank you. I, the internet told me mm-hmm. that you were an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. Were you an Eagle Scout kind of uh, young person, which is to say upstanding, virtuous, and... Um, knowledgeable on the subject of knots do you mean like trustworthy loyal, yeah. helpful friendly courteous kind obedient cheerful thrifty brave clean and reverent precisely yes, all of those things i was all of those things <laughs> i also honored my mother and father but, and, and the flag i yeah i was uh it's it's pretty much all i did like a lot of kids had sports uh girls yeah girls a lot of kids enjoyed things uh-huh. um i was forced into the boy scouts at a very young age and sort of uh Stuck with it because that's where all my friends were. Now, you grew up in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Was it a suburban setting? Pretty typically suburban, yeah. Uh, Two and a half kids. Uh, We we lived on a circle, uh, like a cul-de-sac kind of thing. And so it was, you know, no uh, threat of being hit by a car, which, I don't know if you know this, a lot of suburban deaths are car-related. 
Really? A lot of drunks in suburbia. Oh. Um, it, wait, are you telling me that mm-hmm. suburbia has a dark side? <laughs> There's something evil lurking this behind would those. Make a white... great short story and or independent film. I've got a treatment I want you to look at. <laughs> Did you have an idea of, of becoming a performer as a kid? Um, I wanted to be a writer, actually, when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. What yeah. kind of writer did you want to be? Uh, you know what? I My father told me. I didn't really know exactly what kind of writer I wanted to be. I was told by my teachers that I could write, therefore I wanted to be a writer. Uh, my father said there's a lot of money in uh, technical writing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So if I wanted to write um, for the dictionary or uh, <laughs> instructional the dictionary, manuals, you still don't have a very strong understanding of technical <laughs> writing. Well, that's my dad's. That's my dad's perception of what technical writing is. <laughs> Anything that's not uh, untechnical. But did you really want to do that? I mean, even no. when you became self-aware. No, when I became self-aware, I, I thought that uh, I was a big reader. And I would just kind of ape, uh, you know, the 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 people that I read. I read a lot of Stephen King as a kid, so a lot of my um, stories or whatever I'd write were overly sentimental, half baked horror tales that were literally plagiarizing <laughs> Stephen King. Um, Do you remember? I wrote any The of Shining. After reading The Shining, I wrote The Shining. <laughs> God no! Although I had that character, I had a character named Dell. My character was named Dell, and then I'd put Dell in all these. Uh, this was a running character. Spooky situations. Sure. This is sort of your Spencer for hire. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's my Bourne, my uh-huh. Jason Bourne. Uh, what kind was, of what kind of adventures did he go on? He was a kid not unlike me. Oh, perhaps a suburban kid. I, I really don't remember, to tell you the truth. There was a story about a dead body in a bathroom, that, and I, I, I have no idea. It's all gone. It was that bad. Were you acting and stuff in high school? I never really acted until uh, my senior year in high school because I was waiting for all the upperclassmen to graduate. Um, I knew that I wanted to do it and could do it, but uh, I, I really hated those people. A lot of theater people. <laughs> <laughs> I could not... Uh, a few of them, you know. I still, to this day, don't really like them that much. Uh, so uh, I had to wait till they graduated, and then my senior year I did all the plays. Okay, so if you weren't hanging out with theater kids, who I think people have a pretty good understanding of what the theater dorks in high mm-hmm, school mm-hmm. were like, what what was your social group as you were uh, hanging back and, and eyeing that opening senior year? I had two groups of friends. I had my Boy Scout friends, who basically I would just drink with. Those were my drinking buddies in high school. And, uh, yeah, and then... It doesn't uh, sound very virtuous no, to me. no, no, that was our... We would literally drink and chase tail. That was our. That's what I learned in Boy Scouts. Yeah, uh, we uh, we when our camping trips were family oriented. We, we the whole all, everybody's family would come, so there were girls everywhere, and uh, a lot of my first God, probably first five, quote unquote relationships as a kid in junior high and high school were all Boy Scout related. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. It's a squirrel's nest of sexual activity, the Boy Scouts. And I'm not just talking... Just like a squirrel's nest. It's exactly like a nest that a squirrel would make. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Those squirrels have wild nests. You've heard of those squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other group of friends in high school were, were my friends from uh, from school, which were the sort of uh, comedy, um, comedy slash uh, classic rock nerds. Classic rock nerds. Oh, yeah, you know it's very interchangeable. You know, like, you know, like uh, like they're into, like they're the guys who wear Zeppelin t-shirts. Yes, is that what well, you're talking not, about? No, those guys we called uh, what do we call them? The druggies. We called them Hicks. 
Uh, really? So the burnouts. Yeah, the free, the, the those guys. Uh, no, these guys were like more into actual like, playing guitars and learning, you know, playing classical guitar and 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 trying to sync up Dark Side of the Moon with with Wizard of Oz, that kind of thing. Not not like not Sabbath. Like this, not like those drug users. <laughs> they would never dream of doing something like that. Uh, I'm trying to. I, I it's 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 a it's the geek side of those guys. You know, it's the uh-huh. the. the Comic book, uh, comedy. You know, Monty Python and uh, in Dungeons and Dragons and uh, and you know early Pink Floyd are not right. You know, there's there's not a lot of um, space in between. Right. That's a that's a square. That's a psychographic group, if not a demographic <laughs> group. I have no idea what that word means, but uh, <laughs> but you're wearing a tie, <laughs> a bow tie, even. Yep. Um, you know, before I did this interview, I sent out a message on uh, Twitter, the social networking uh, website Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And 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 I said, well, what what should I ask Rob Corder? He's coming over in an hour. And people tweeted you some people uh, tweeted questions. me tweeted me questions. Huh. The one that I I I almost never will use these directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just steal their ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but a guy named STVSPL. Uh, asked me, is there anything redeemable about Massachusetts? It was a follow-up to his question, <laughs> UMass Amherst, love or hate? Um, oh, wow. Are you the kind of guy who has fond memories about the place he grew up or the kind of guy who uh, who, who decided at 15 to make a plan to escape from it? Not only do I have very fond memories, but I think I am nostalgic to a fault. Uh, my brother's the same exact way. We'll travel three hours out of our way to get that meatball sub that we ate, you know, one time 10 years ago. Or uh, UMass, I go back to UMass all the time. I go back, usually in the summer, I will find myself up in Western Mass somehow, and I'll take the two-hour detour to UMass, and and it's never satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a college student, for one thing. I don't have any hair, and I'm old. Right. You were you were an English major in college, right? Am I, I, am I, was, I remembering yeah. that correctly? I was an English major and a theater major. Yeah. Now, did you have the same reaction to uh, the theater students in college that you had to the theater students in high school? No, um, because uh, theater students in college will have sex with you. Oh yeah, sure. A lot, <laughs> a lot. They've discovered that. Right. You know, um, and it's a real earthy experience. It's not just your, I was in a fraternity for a year too. And it's not just your like Friday night, uh, garden variety, um, drunk bone. It's a real like, you know, it's, it happens in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Underneath a stage of some kind. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sure. On a catwalk. Absolutely. In a a black box theater. Uh, (laughs) The scenic department, you know, it's always very well lit, or or kind of like indulgently lit. It's college <laughs> indulgent, yeah. <laughs> it's it's all it, it's yeah. all scented candles. It's yeah. a little much. It's a little much. Had you decided to dedicate your life to acting and the theater? Um, yeah, it was a, a sophomore or junior year, I believe. I had this teacher, and we every actor will tell you they have a, you know their guru, and mine was this uh, guy named Ed Golden, still to this day the best teacher I've ever had. And he, uh, he, we, we had a little, we had a sort of a student teacher conference one day, and 
and he said in his typically kind of um, mysterious way, he said, "So do you uh, do you want to do you want to do this for a living?" Um, I said, uh, "Yeah, I I, I think I'm I'm considering it." And he said, "Well, you can." <laughs> that was it. I was given permission, and that uh, I decided right then. When did comedy enter into it? I mean, there's, there's in some ways, it's very, it's two very different tracks: the track of the actor and the track of the uh, comic, or even the comic actor in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who does, uh, the guy who does improv or stand up is is different from the guy who, uh, as as you did, mm-hmm. goes on a national Shakespeare tour usually. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I was on tour with the National Shakespeare Company for a year in '94, '95, and it sounds a lot more impressive than it actually <laughs> is because it has the words "national" and "Shakespeare" in it. It's not endorsed Can't... by any national Shakespeare <laughs> no, governing bodies. No, no nation endorses right? this no. Shakespeare Company. It was little little known that you went on tour with the National Shakespeare Company of Gabon. <laughs> Uh, I believe it was actually like the National Shakespeare Conservatory, which actually does have, you know, carry some weight. Uh, this, this was a little like splinter of that group. You know, somebody got mad and said, I'm going to start my own touring company. and With the same and initials. It was, it was garbage. It was oh. garbage. But I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. You were uh, getting paid, I imagine. I was getting paid for the first time in my life to do what I wanted to do. And I, I was uh, uh, traveling around the country in a van you know, sleeping in Motel 6s. And I've made, you know, lifelong friends from that tour. It was a, it was a lot of fun. But it was soon after that, uh, I met a guy on that tour, and, and we fancied our, ourselves pretty funny people. So we decided to start a sketch group, and we did. And uh, actually, no, I, I was in a sketch group at the time. I had auditioned for a sketch group that turned out to be really crappy. And I sort of found myself in the sketch group, and I was like, come on, I'm a very important Shakespearean actor. What am I doing here? <laughs> But rather than like go back, you, at that point you had done all the mechanicals. <laughs> yes, 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 all the fools. Uh, it's not far from the truth to tell you the truth. Uh, and then we, you know, so I started a sketch group with this guy, and sort of, uh, and 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 we, um, it's still together today. Well, so that was the, the naked your, babies. The naked babies. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's I had no idea yeah. that it happened so early on. Yeah, oh, it happened in uh, about 96, I'd say. And this incarnation of Naked Babies, which is the, I'd say, you know, real incarnation the of The canonical. Babies, yes, yes. Was uh, like 98, 99. I think we started in earnest. You you guys were you guys were doing uh uh you guys started doing both sketch and improv at the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, right? Well, we three of us uh were doing sketch before uh, as Naked Babies. Then we met uh, Seth Morris. He was in my level one improv class at, at UCV, and um, he was he was the funniest person in my class. And I he actually broke his foot halfway through the class, and I loved it because he didn't show up for like three weeks after that. So I was the funniest one in class for a while. <laughs> and uh, so you know that you know make your uh, what's this the saying? Keep your enemies close. <laughs> uh, so I invited him into our sketch group and. Uh, and so that and that foursome became uh, the present day Naked Babies. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the actor and comedian Rob Cordry. We'll have more with Rob in just a minute when we come back.
Maximum Fun is coming to San Francisco in January. You can catch The Sound of Young America live as part of SF Sketchfest at Cobb's Comedy Club on January 23rd, with special guests including the Casper Hauser Comedy Group and Sean Cullen. As if that wasn't enough, you can catch the Monsters of Podcasting, that's Jordan Jesse Go, and you look nice today, that very same weekend at the Eureka Theater. They're just two of the dozens of amazing shows at this year's SF Sketchfest, including the Upright Citizens Brigade, The State, and our podcasting pals Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap with Never Not Funny Live. Get your tickets now at sfsketchfest.com. Welcome back to The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the actor and comedian Rob Corddry. When I first started at The Daily Show four years ago, a lot of people said I was a diversity hire. Or just eye candy. But I soon proved I had the nuts to ask tough questions of the high and mighty. Can I inoculate myself by eating my own feces? How many Guatemalans can I have living in my apartment legally? How upset are you right now? One meow being not so upset, five being very angry. Meow, meow, meow. If you ban the Pacalope from the stadium, you know who else you'll have to ban? No, who? Unicorns. Was your first uh, audition for The Daily Show your first glimpse at the big time, or were there false starts before that? Well, there was an odd... I was in the movie Old School. It was an odd thing, because I knew the director, Todd Phillips, because I'd done a couple commercials with him. And I knew the writer, Scott Armstrong, because I did improv with him. And so I was kind of in as far as that movie was concerned. And I played one of the older pledges in that movie. And, uh, you know, I was given a couple lines, all of which were cut. So I had no lines. I was basically the guy behind Luke Wilson in Old School. (laughs) And then I got The Daily Show right after, as I was shooting Old School, I auditioned for The Daily Show and got it. And then, so a year later, Old School came out and I was becoming well-known on The Daily Show. And so people were kind of, uh, it was odd for them to see me in in a role. Like, I didn't speak. They were like, why didn't they give the ball guy from The Daily Show lines? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess old school is probably my first taste of the huge time, as I call it. Oh, yeah. It's bigger than big. Absolutely. It's the huge time. Gargantuan, even. Yeah, yeah. And then The the Daily Show uh, was definitely my first... uh, uh, experience of, of any length. Was it a steep learning curve at The Daily Show to go from, you know, doing sketch or improv once a week to uh, the really intense writing and performing process of a daily television program? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, and I knew it, too. I got there. I was very, very intimidated. And uh, I, I just sat myself down. It was about two weeks before I had to do anything. They really didn't know. Steve Carell was still at the time. I was I was hired to replace Steve Carell. Ed Helms and I were. And so I just kind of sat around for two weeks and um and I just watched raw footage of of Daily Show field pieces. So by the time I had to do one, I kind of knew how they worked. How you know? is how is that? What what are the what were the things that you learned? Well I you know uh, there's for the for 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 Every one of those four-minute pieces, there's you know ten to twelve tapes of of interview footage. So we we usually I learned um, I learned exactly how to uh, um, how the how the interviews are built because Daily Show only has one camera, uh, and only because 
at that time. They do two now for the most part, but um, they could only afford one at the time. So we would do the interviews with a camera over my shoulder onto the subject, and then we'd just turn the camera around, and I would just re-ask all the questions I asked them previously, that there'd be a producer writing down whatever I improvised. And that's where I learned that you could do... I, I, there's a lot of freedom in that, in that we, we never asked a question, a fake question that we didn't ask in the previous interview, but we were allowed to do it three or four different ways, you know? So uh, that's when you see the interview subject become very uncomfortable when they hear the questions again. <laughs> they start to process what they've done. Um, and perhaps, again, with a different tone, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> One of the great challenges of uh, that form on The Daily Show, which has become less of a part of The Daily Show over time, those field pieces is that uh, the show is structured so that the um, so that the jerks are the correspondents. I mean, mm -hmm. your character was just outrageously kind of boorish and uh, um, uh, thoughtless mm -hmm. uh, on the show. Um, but that can be difficult to maintain when you're talking to a real person in real life. Um, it, it can be hard to make sure that you, that you don't uh, that you're not putting the joke on the other person. Yeah. Um, tell me about how how you do that. Like, how do you handle that situation? Did you did you ever find yourself doing something and then like wondering if it was a if it was you know immoral? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. There were times. Uh, well, I, I usually I felt like the people. If we were, if if uh, if they were the people that we were gonna make to look like the bad guy eventually, uh, or that they were gonna appear the bad guy, that the most outrageous people, uh, I, I more often than not have it had it coming, at least in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the, the 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 beauty of those shows is that we take the side of the crazy person, and you know, and the. And, and then we can have as much fun as we want with the with the so-called bad guy in the story because that's who we're really – I mean it's irony. Uh, that's who we're really siding with and, and we can – I have n had no problem at all tearing them apart because ultimately they were going to come out looking good. Uh, I would in, in interviews use that character – when the camera was not on me, use that character when, when I needed to, uh, when I needed a response – from them when I needed them to look angry or confused or, but most of the time I wouldn't necessarily be a hundred percent in character when the camera wasn't on me. It just all depends on the person we were talking to and, and what we had to get out of them. Let's talk about leaving the daily show. This is this amazing, spectacular program. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the best, best of any kind on television. Um, and you are doing really wonderful, amazing work on it. Even, even when you get offered a lot of money to do a new thing, in television, a new thing almost invariably fails, mm -hmm. um, even if there's wonderfully talented people in it. And even a success in television, like your, uh, uh, your sitcom The Winner, which uh, had huge names attached to it mm -hmm. and ran for a while and, and was artistically a reasonable success, um, ended up getting canceled. Um, so was it scary to, to leave this job that was so, you know, regular and that you were so successful at? Definitely scary. I mean, there is no more regular job in television. There, they, we didn't even take a break. You know, it was a, 
pretty much 48 weeks a year. Um, so it was terrifying in that respect. Um, but I didn't necessarily do it leave for the money because the money's better because at that point uh, I actually never made more than I had, I, I have my last year on the daily show, but there, there is a certain you're, you're there, there are not many notes to hit. You know what I mean? It's after a while, I wasn't doing field pieces anymore my last year. Uh, I enjoyed that, but I think I just wanted to do something different. You know, there's not a lot. Uh, it's an odd thing to be playing a character you share a name with. I, I really think you only got about five years in you on that show anyway. Colbert lasted the longest. I mean, he's been on there. He was on there longer than John. Well, that was uh, uh, that was actually a really that was a fitting tribute, Rob. We're really gonna miss you oh. at the at the show. And, well, thank and you, John. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. But uh, whatever I go, whatever I do, there'll always be a part of me here. That's a really a sweet thing to say. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm not kidding. It's in the second floor men's room, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for not giving me a proper send off. <laughs> You're really gonna go out on a poop joke. I have to stay true to myself, John. <laughs> Rob Cordry, everybody. Let him know. What's up? Look, you're the attending physician, so I need your permission. I want to cut this kid open. Why? She's got a broken arm. Says who? The x-ray. Please. I don't trust these. They're not even in color. Look, I gotta open her up. What if it's something more serious? What if it's AIDS? I don't know this kid. I gotta make sure she's got the right type of arm guts in there. I'm supposed to trust some medical textbook or some black and white space photo? Come on. I'm a doctor. It's what I do. Prep the OR. You better be right this time. Let's talk about uh, about your new project, Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your first ever directing uh, outing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also your first ever producing outing, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, you're credited with both on this. Mm-hmm. Was that part of the appeal of, of doing it for you, that you would get to uh, get to try out new stuff, or was that because there wasn't money to hire a director? The producer, John Stern, who uh, also produced Wayne Days and Horrible People, um, he and David Wayne, who, who was another executive producer, uh, were trying to get me to direct it from the beginning because they said, well, you know, no one's going to know it like you. You have a very specific idea of what you want, and and uh, and this is written in your voice. You should direct it. And I, I had no interest in doing that whatsoever. It seems like the hardest job in the world. And eventually, I was convinced to do it just because we we, we were running out of time, and 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 uh, I, we we're just sort of coming up dry. And and I kind of realized that well, I'm, I'm bulking on hiring these certain people to direct this maybe because I want to direct it. And and I realized that I was kind of maybe shying away in the face of a challenge and thought, well, it's only six days. I'll do it. <laughs> the show is a, um, a parody of uh, hospital television shows, especially the contemporary hospital television show, the Grey's Anatomy style show mm-hmm. where everybody's making out with everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, first of all, did you watch those shows as a matter of course in general before you decided to make this? And, and second of all, what, what struck you as funny about them? I, I think a hospital is no place to set a television show. <laughs> um, I think they're always funny in a way because it's so dramatic <laughs> uh, I was a huge fan of of Saint Elsewhere, 
growing up because that show took a lot of weird turns by the end of it. And that's when I was really into it. And, um, I think it's always sort of informed, like, it's just a very strange show. And, uh, I watch Grey's Anatomy with, with one eye, you know, my wife watches it religiously and I will sit at the computer and then just kind of watch it. And then all this, I'll, I'll look up and I'll see a kid encased in cement for the love of a girl. (laughs) So that's what I catch on Grey's Anatomy. It might be the most boring show ever, but this is what strikes me from a little bit farther away in the room. And uh, it's it just seems like they jump the shark from episode one, and that's what is that's what is asked of them. It's not jump. These shows can't jump the shark. So uh, yeah, and and, and just a, a hospital is no place for these sexual politics to um, take place. And therefore, I thought, well, then the the most inappropriate place would be a children's hospital. Ooh. You know, <laughs> especially with with you and Seth Morris in nightmarish clown makeup. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, all the the clown makeup all has the same theme. All of the clowns, there's a couple of clowns uh, peppered throughout, and they all sort of have the same theme, except for my makeup, which was modeled after John Wayne Gacy's. <laughs> if you look at the picture, I it's almost exactly John Wayne Gacy's, except that was just too terrifying. So we didn't use the white base, and I put little funny little eyebrows on top of my triangle eyes and a nose. <laughs> a little nose, just to make it a little bit less... Just soften it a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that makes a hospital TV show uh, a TV show is um, is that being in a hospital, the stakes are always 10 out of 10. I mean, mm-hmm. assuming that you don't show any people that, that come in with a, um, you know, a broken toe... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's all life or death. Mm-hmm. That can also be very profitable for for comedy as well mm-hmm. as for drama. Yeah, it's code blue comedy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're always coding. We're always coding. You worked with all of the naked babies on this show. What has kept you working with this same team of uh, four people for more than ten years now? Guilt, mm-hmm. mostly. You know. Um, no, they're all uh well we're all just very good friends, you know, and we were we were always sort of the uh the touchy feely sketch group. Um we'd we'd often share a stage with a sketch group called Mr. Ass. <laughs> and uh they would just fight backstage. Literally they'd get into fist fights and they'd drink before a show and they was like just dirty and like they were never showered and one of them was an AA all the time, in and out. And, you know, it's just that kind of thing. And then we were, like, all in therapy and, like, really talking out our problems. And, if like, I'm not mistaken, not only is Seth Morris from Marin County, yeah. California, he's also uh, a yoga enthusiast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Pil- he's a certified Pilates oh, There you go. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. We uh, He actually called me out once. Early on in our career, he was like, you know, you're very sarcastic. <laughs> Not shut up. It, it was like, you know, you say things sometimes that hurt people. <laughs> I was like, wow, I do. I'm sorry. We probably hugged. <laughs> Did you consider going into a different field of endeavor at that point? <laughs> um, I Upon just, abandoning your sarcasm. I just started favor hating myself hugs. a little bit more. I started hating myself a little bit more, which uh, which makes you more sarcastic. I know that a lot of you have all these different uh, projects going. Are there any are, are there any things in the works right now for Naked Babies? Yeah, for oh, Naked yeah. Babies, absolutely. We're uh, we're we're working on three things right now. We're working on a movie, uh, writing a movie, which is more of a long term thing. We're um, working on a web series 
or a short film for the web that we may just want to use as a template uh, to pitch up a larger movie. And we're also working on a TV show that uh, we all four star in. I'd be the lead, of course. Sure. I'm really funny. What, Seth Morris going to do it? He's so tall. <laughs> Too stretchy. <laughs> so flexible. Well, Rob Cordry, thank you so much for being on The Sound of Young America. It was really a, it was well, really fun to have you. Thank you for having The Sound of Me on. Uh, uh, Rob Cordry can be seen in almost all of uh, the DVDs on your local video store's new release <laughs> shelf. Um, he's also uh, directed and, and starred in the uh, web series called Children's Hospital, which is on thewb.com, and that's T-H-E-W-B.com. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart, the show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music, written and performed by Dan Grayson, with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally, the show edited by Nick White. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, and you can always email me directly at jesse at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time, right here on the Sound of Young America.